I think overcompensation for our children is a hard topic um, for so many reasons. And I'll start with the first one, which is just the mindfulness of going through your mind and, th and thinking about where am I overcompensating for this child or adult or what have you, where I'm just in a habit of doing it and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it actually is. It's a very big deal. And I wonder as a mom, you know, we're both mothers and uh, what, how did you, uh, how did you deal with this? Did you feel yourself getting pulled back in? You, know, you let go uh, and then you get pulled back in? Well, I think so. And particularly, you know, under stress or an event where you kind of released and then things got messy. And that, I think, as moms, and we both know this, you know, can make you kind of reach back and take responsibility again instead of working through why it got messy. And, um, and I think that this is just with all children, parents can overcompensate for their child. But uh, I, so I think that's one reason. Um, I would say I don't feel like I've experienced this, though I watch for it. The other reason, Dr. Sheely, is sometimes parents feel very comfortable in that role of the overcompensator. Whether they would identify it as that or not, it's almost a giving up of something, which I think if a person wasn't a mom, they might not understand, but it's, it's, it, it, it can be more comfortable to overcompensate than to let go. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I think it can be satisfying too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you think about the guiding relationship um, getting thrown off, from the very beginning or pretty early on before the first year for the first birthday, that relationship gets thrown off. And one of the ways you find yourself feeling like a good mom is to do things that are actually overcompensating things. And those things are often necessary in the beginning because the child is not learning from you. And so you simply do it because you don't know how to enable him or her to become independent, the things that he needs to be doing. So I think what happens is it starts out very early and it starts out with the child maybe not being able to soothe himself. So the parent takes on the responsibility of not only soothing, but making sure nothing happens to upset the child. So you've, got, you've already got a pattern in place that's not a good pattern for any of us. And I'm not just saying parents of children on the spectrum do that. I think a lot of, I think a lot of us do that. And then you, because you, because your role has become the role of a compensator <laughs> and not a guide, you start compensating for more and more things. And sometimes children go past the need for compensation. They're doing fine, but you can't let it go because you don't trust that they're where you think they should be or they're going to be or that something terrible won't happen, that they'll make good decisions. And so that compensation actually takes on a life of its own. And I believe that the compensation can, I'm not saying it always does, but I think it can take the place of a relationship, when you, particularly when you think about the role of parents and children as being one of uh, individuation, 
a guiding and individuation and independence. Wow. And, and I was touched by what you said about the self-satisfaction mm -hmm. that a mom or dad can have by feeling that way. Um, and I agree with you. It's, it's not just of children with vulnerabilities. It's, it can happen with, with, with parents of all children uh, that we see that uh, almost a fulfillment of a, a, a role for them uh, that they, they get a lot from, which is nothing wrong from getting something from being a mother. No. <laughs> for sure. <We> right? <laughs> but it's that process of letting go. And I feel I'm really saying that too simplistically, <laughs> letting go. Uh, we're not talking about free fall. We're, we're talking about being in the process. Uh, and I think with children who are vulnerable for whatever reason, um, we can form habits as parents that are, for lack of a better word, are enjoyable to us. Uh, I'm going to use a really small example, but maybe there's a, a nighttime routine or something that we've come to really enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, but our our child perhaps has become um, able to very independently take care of all those <laughs> needs, yet we find ourselves in the in, in the place of just enjoying to take part in that. Um, I think all parents can say that there's a certain giving up of that at some point because you realize yeah. what you said is it's time. Maybe recognizing the time with a child who's more vulnerable is more difficult. And I think also uh, another thing that occurs to me when I think about overcompensating is that if we don't have a clear plan for how we're going to help our child become more independent and more responsible and more capable, that, that has an inverse relationship with us giving up a little bit. If we don't see that happening, then we always feel like it's sink or swim. We don't realize that there are small steps before anyone learns to swim. You know, we're not born fish. <laughs> and so we don't, we don't sink or swim. Fish sink or swim, but we don't sink or swim. And uh, thinking about those small steps, which in RDI, we introduce so early on with the just noticeable differences and the challenges and the parents considering, how do I help my child become competent, feel competent about himself, but how do I feel competent about him too? How do I open up this new world where he can actually operate pretty much on his own? Well, I, I think about what we always talk about in RDI is that the relationship self to self is, is as important or more important than relationship with others. We don't have a relationship with ourselves, mm -hmm. And how can the children fulfill that if they don't have that sense of, I'm doing this on my own, mm -hmm. with my own self? It's almost, and I say this as a mom, but it's almost as if you're, you're inadvertently taking away some of that self to self. It's an easy thing to do. And um, I, sometimes, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't think we should key in too much on the parents being responsible 100% at least for overcompensating because there's also some secondary gain of a special relationship if you're the person who's being overcompensated for. And I'm reminded of, uh, of a family where I was talking about independence and I said, you know, I feel like he can put on his, 
own shoes right now. And the mother said, but why would I want him to do that? Hmm. And, you know, I realized there are, there are questions to be asked. Yeah. And there's a road we travel together with our parents when we're dealing with something that has become so successful and so basic. And so from putting on one's own shoes, you know, we become people who drive cars and have jobs. Exactly. exactly. But the putting on of your own shoes, I mean, I love that. I love that image of, you know, a little guy putting on his own shoes and walking and taking off and getting ready to go on this journey that he's ready to go on. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I look at that as really profound that you had that conversation and it came to my mind. Uh, and I know this can get really complicated for parents, mm -hmm. but all of us who've had children get older, go through pre-adolescence and adolescence and then even older, um, no, it's just a process of, of release, take a little back, release, take a little back. It's, it's a process. And I do wonder sometimes mm -hmm. um, with families, uh, being a mom myself, that transition of pre-adolescence, adolescence, adulthood, if there's a, a desire to keep them mm -hmm. younger. It, absolutely. And you also have to wonder about um, something that nobody intends and nobody wants, but a child fulfilling a role as the family in the, the the person in the family that has that is needy. So the person in the family that's needy. And so the child takes on that role. Well, there's some gain to that because people look out for you and people make sure you have what you want and nobody wants to rock the boat for you <laughs> and you sure don't want them to. Mm -hmm. So there's a special role you have. And that role, that special role feels good. When you become an, indep an independent person, and, you know, we become independent in various things at various stages of our life, but when that person becomes independent, then they're also giving up their special role. Then they're just becoming like another brother or sister. And they're expected to do the things that you know, they're expected to get themselves up in the morning and take care of the morning routine and pack their own lunches and, you know, and get to the school bus on time or what, I don't know, whatever. But they're expected to do all these things. So there's nobody, you know, oh, I'll fix your lunch for you. No, I'll wake you up with a cold, a cold washcloth on your forehead. I mean, wouldn't we all love that? Everybody gets something up. When overcompensation stops, everybody gives it up. But hopefully it's given up in such small steps that it feels good all along the way. Yes, I think that's so important, kind of back to what we were saying in the beginning. We're not talking about a, a, a throwing you in the, just throwing you in the pool and hoping you can swim or, a, you know, a free fall. Well, I'm done doing for you. Um, that actually is, is not a process. That's just a, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, but I also think it's important for people to think about what you said, which is you, you have to have a plan and revisit that plan um, on a regular basis, I think, don't you? I think you have to have a plan. And I think you also have to have trust in yourself that, yes, I can help this child become independent. 
trust in the child that yes, the child can be come independent. But you know, Catherine, I think there's another, I think there's something else that haunts us a little bit in this process of individuation and, you know, trying to not overcompensate. And I, I feel something that come. I feel there's something that comes back and haunts us even when we think it's gone. And that's the trauma of hearing that this beautiful child you have has a problem and that it's a serious problem and that you're going to have to work on it. So you've always got in the back of your mind that kind of traumatic response. It gets triggered by who knows what, but it gets triggered. And I feel like as parents, when we think about those gradient steps for our children, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then you know what? You're going to go to school by yourself, and not only that, you're going to get yourself up. You're going to do your own homework, and you're going to get there, or all those other things that happen. I think we have to be just as conscious about the letting go and that sometimes that PTSD is going to get triggered and to recognize it for what it is. Because if we don't recognize it, it's going to feel like a truth, something speaking truth to us. And that anxiety we feel has to be felt because we have to go in and we have to stop the child from doing it or overcompensating. Well, of course, as a parent, that totally makes sense because you only have to blink and you're back in that moment when you're told this and you're told, as you said, how serious it is, mm -hmm. and in some cases told how hopeless it is. So those are some of the first seeds some of our parents have sown. And uh, as much as you and I wish that weren't the case somehow, sometimes well-meaning professionals sow those seeds. I mean, totally good intentions, I feel they're speaking truth. Uh, but unfortunately, it creates a moment um, not forgettable by parents. And so I like what you said about it's a haunting. I know that's, um, I think it's a good term because I always think of haunting as hanging around. <laughs> and it's ghost-like. I yeah. mean, you can't really see it, but it's there. Mm. And it pops up. I think just understanding that that may come back and often will come back when you least expect it. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's one of those pivotal moments moments when the child is actually going to go off on a job and have his own apartment and all of a sudden you feel the anxiety and you just have to you just have to take over do everything again i've you know just as a mother i've done that I've had those i um i think of you know my baby when he's two and you find find something like this out i know it's different ages for different people but your thoughts are what's going to happen to him and I think that's what's going to happen to him just keeps coming back into your mind. I think it's a really, you know, it's, it's a different phrase for different people in those moments. But what's going to happen to him, I think. I think another I thing, uh, you know, I'm thinking back about this trauma of just getting the diagnosis. Nobody wants to hear this diagnosis. I mean, we have such great parents and I'm just so blown away by how, wonderful they are but in the beginning it wasn't like they were saying oh I hope I get that diagnosis no nobody wants it and I know that in having conversations 
with parents early on, shortly after the diagnosis or having given the diagnosis myself, I just, in my heart, I just want to say something that says them, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But I know that it's not going to be okay for them until it is okay. And so I've come to kind of say that. You know, I wish I could say something that would take all of this fear and anxiety and sadness away. But I know that it won't go away until you actually see your child doing okay. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going we're to work on that. But there is that feeling as consultants, as professionals, wanting to ease that pain. Well, and I really appreciate that about you and, and, and your mindfulness. Uh, I, I think that means a lot to parents to know that you, you're thinking about them in that way, but you understand they, they need to hear the truth about the seriousness of the diagnosis and what we need to do. And I know as a parent, that's what I would like to hear. I think, I think it's the most important. That moment is one of the most important in the child's life and how they can go forward and how those parents can move forward. And you've talked a lot about feet moving forward, which I love, which I think about all the time, literally. And I always want to remind parents, your feet need to be moving forward too. Mm -hmm your feet have to go forward for your child to go forward. Um, and I think about the overcompensation, how there's that parallel process between what consultants do, what parents do, you know, where we, we start out by really being teachers with the parents that we work with. And we're explaining things to them, and we're actually setting up activities for them, and we're role-playing, and we're demonstrating. Mm -hmm. But the parents, one of the first things they have to do to help us not overcompensate is they have to start evaluating their own work. And once they do that and they start doing it really well, then they come up with their own ideas. And I see this with the college students that I work with where they'll say, this is what I want to work on next. Or the parent will say, I was thinking that while I'm working on this objective, I'd like to use this to work on the objective. If we don't get to that place, and if we continue to overcompensate for the parents, that parallel process gets put into place between them and their children. So as consultants, we always have to be on the lookout for the possibility that we're doing that, and we are setting something in motion that we shouldn't be setting in motion. Well, I always love your talks about the parallel process, and this is just another great one, that if we're overcompensating for the parents, then they're overcompensating for their children, and then round and round we go. I mean, that is that is a beautiful, beautiful thought. And how we but just fall. like and, and you know, but uh, Catherine, just like for the just like for the children, where we don't want them to sink or swim, and we're carefully evaluating every every session we have with a child is a mini evaluation. It's the same with the parents. It's a mini evaluation where I think you're ready to take on another piece of this. Let me give it to you and show you how to take it on. Mm 